Hey guys, I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Amy Rubin is the guest on our show today, and she is a stressed out teacher turned mindful development coach. She started a business called Mindful Self, social emotional learning for friends and families in 2017 to combat the empathy and anxiety epidemic affecting humans younger and younger. As a teacher, mom, and former anxiety sufferer, she's discovered simple techniques to manage overwhelm, increase productivity, and boost health and happiness in as little as five minutes a day. Today, she shares her mindful approach with students of all ages, offering personal professional development workshops, individual and small group mindful mentoring, and student assemblies to reach the greatest audience. It was such a pleasure chatting with Amy today, and I can't wait to share with you these three simple tips that she shares with us to help busy, stressed out teachers be more mindful and create much more happiness in their lives. Check it out, guys. Dawn Penzak, and I created a self-care program that helped me get my health back when teaching and life just got way too stressful. I truly believe teaching does not have to be hard, but you got to have the right tools in place to help you tackle the stress, overwhelming demand, and crazy workload with a smile. Ready to feel better, lighter, more focused, and have a great year? This is the Calm and Resilient Teacher Podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. With the hard work you do every day, you deserve to be happy. Hey guys, I am so excited to share with you today some super awesome mindfulness tips. Here we have Amy Rubin. Amy, tell us a little bit about you. Hi, well, so I'm really excited to be here today too. Thank you so much for having me. And I am the founder of Mindful Self, where I help people to bring a mindful approach to life, learning, and everything in between. Awesome. So Amy, I, am, I invited you onto our show because I know you share some really awesome, simple tips for busy, stressed out teachers who are constantly running around with a million things to do and often living like very disconnected lives. Right. A lot of the teachers in the common resilient teacher community struggle with overwhelm, stress, anxiety. But one of the biggest things is like time management, energy management, um, and finding balance. So I think your mindfulness procedures today, actually, I don't think I know what you share with us today is going to really help people um, feel more grounded and more secure and better overall. So how did you get into mindfulness? So it's funny that you should ask that because I realized that um, I actually started practicing mindfulness as a child before I even knew that it was called mindfulness. Um, I was a very anxious kid. And as a result, by the time I was like in fourth or fifth grade, I, I had a lot of trouble sleeping. And so one of my guidance counselors, who I refer to as like ahead of her time, she actually recorded a cassette tape for me. I know I'm dating myself. Um, that I would listen to each night that was called the rocket ship. And it was a form of a progressive relaxation. And I would, you know, imagine and visualize a rocket ship um, going through the different parts of my body one at a time, blowing cool, relaxing air into my body. And what I came to discover was that not only by listening to it, did it help me to fall asleep, but it also helped me to kind of 
create that space for myself, create that feeling of immediate relaxation where I felt like my entire body was relaxed. And I used to say it felt like I was floating. Um, and then I could use that not just to fall asleep, but anytime that I was feeling overwhelmed or stressed, you know, whether it was before I took a test or before I did a performance or before I got up to bat. Um, all of these were things that um, I never before knew that I had the power to do. And that's why I always share with people that what we practice grows stronger. And although it might take 20 minutes or 10 minutes in the beginning to kind of learn this process, we can then by practicing it, achieve it like that which is really cool. So um, that was definitely something that um, I, I did from a, a very early age. And then as an educator, spending a lot of years in elementary school, teaching everything, right, from kindergarten to fifth grade, but everything in between, right, because we also teach manners as well as Spanish, as well as writing essays. Um, I started using mindfulness because it was a bit of a buzzword. And I recognized that my students needed some self-regulation. They needed times where they kind of were up here and I needed them to be down here when they either came in on a Friday before break or when they came back from recess and lunch um, or even just to manage transitions a little bit more smoothly. Um, and it was, although it was helpful, it wasn't necessarily as authentic as I wanted it to be. And I felt, realized that I needed to still kind of like tweak it a little bit. And that's kind of the point where I always say the universe intervened as it always does. And my father was diagnosed with end-stage liver cancer and he was given six months to live. So as you can imagine, that was a really kind of like, you know, punch to the gut. It wasn't the way that I had life planned out to be. And, um, I was really struggling with it because not only was this, you know, a difficult thing for my entire family to manage, I also had this desire to spend time with him and to make memories. And time and time again, I even took some time off of work to spend time with him and um, thinking it was going to be so wonderful. And meanwhile, not in knowing that it was going to be so difficult. And I had realized that like it was hard to be with him because I was constantly distracting myself from the fact that he was sick and going to die. So it was um, actually my therapist who had shared with me that um, one of his friends was starting a mindfulness group not too far from me that was free to anybody who wanted to try it. And the first day that I went there uh, to practice with a group of people, my first time ever really like sitting formally myself, um, the, the teacher had said, we can't expect to feel joy if we don't allow ourselves to feel suffering. And that for me was really powerful because it made me realize that I had spent and kind of gotten to a point where I had built up these walls to prevent myself from suffering, but those walls also work to keep out joy and happiness. And if I really wanted to learn how to be with my dad, I needed to learn how to be with myself. And that's really where mindfulness really cracked wide open for me and not only changed my, my own experience with my father, but also in my own life. Um, it changed me as a mom and it also changed me as a teacher. Um, and now I was able to kind of authentically share mindfulness with my students because I had, I've lived it, right? I had seen it and I knew not only how we can, how we could, you know, bring this into the classroom, but also the obstacles that come up as a part of any kind of a practice. Wow. Wow. That's a really powerful story. So, um, what... <laughs> 
you know, what would you say, like for, for somebody who's so incredibly busy and, and living such a stressed out chaotic life, what would be a really, really simple way for them to get started? What's your first, first tip for us today? So, you know, I think sometimes what I love about mindfulness is how flexible it is. And that by simple definition, it is paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. And so we say it's simple, but not necessarily easy. But in terms of being simple, you know, oftentimes I work with teachers and I will guide them through just a breath meditation where they are focusing on their breath or taking intentionally, you know, deep breaths and holding those breaths and releasing for certain counts. And many times teachers will say, I didn't realize that those are the first deep breaths I've taken today right? Or this week, let alone. So the power of breathing is super, super powerful for anybody who practices. You know, over the time, I've, I've learned some different kind of breath hacks, as I like to call them, um, where if we need calm um, and we want to kind of decompress ourselves, anytime that we double our exhale compared to our inhale, um, we actually um, tap into our vagus nerve, which helps us to instantaneously calm ourselves down. So for adults, we normally do that as a four, seven, eight breath, where we inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of seven, and exhale for a count of eight, because eight is double four. But when I do it with students, I'll normally do it as like a three, five, six breath, where they are, again, inhaling for three and exhaling for six. Um, and so that's super powerful. In addition, you know, breathing can also help when we need energy because, you know, mindfulness is not just about um, bringing us calm. It's giving us what we need in the moment. It's kind of a tool that allows us to kind of tap into this present moment and see what we need. And again, when I work with teachers, I'll say, you know, here we are ready to throw all of these strategies and skills at students. But we, our ultimate goal is that they're going to be able to use these themselves and they don't know what to use unless they have a tool to develop that self-awareness, right? To know what it is that they need in that moment. Um, so an energy hack that I've learned in terms of breathing is that anytime that we begin on the exhale and end our breath on the inhale, the inhale breath is actually where we get our energy from. So it also can help us to kind of calm our brains down a little bit, but also give us the energy and the focus that we need at that time. Wow. So is a really cool, simple thing we can do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, um, I went to a, a kind of a breathing workshop in Tampa last Veterans Day, Veterans Day 2018, I guess it was. Um, and Dr. Belisa Vranich was there and she did this session with, with us that was amazing. And I learned um, the rock and roll technique where, you know, it's like you use your belly, but you, you know, kind of inhale, expand your belly. And then as you exhale, you think about bringing your belly but into your spine. Yeah. And she talked about how most of us are vertical breathers. We breathe like this, you know, raising our, our shoulders and kind of getting taller as we breathe. We're really that's not maximizing your, your body's power, right? You're not really using your lungs or your diaphragm or anything like that. So she really, um, man, she really like hit home to me how important breathing is because when we were practicing breathing correctly, I was like, oh my gosh, like you said. You, you feel know, a difference, right? Feel a huge difference, huge difference. And um, it was just amazing. Um, and then the other thing that you said about the patterns and the breathing patterns, it, how awesome what is it to teach kids 
simple breathing patterns that they can use anytime. Like they're walking in the hallway, right? Stressed at recess. It's like an immediate reset button to help them calm down. And then the energy that's, I I didn't realize that, um, starting on the exhale and then using the inhale, you know, for that, for that energy boost, how awesome is that? You know, first period, your first period class, right? Right. And they're kind of sleepy. Um, or you're just about to take a quiz or a test, like, Hey, let's, you know, three breaths like this, like how much could that change, you know, a child's performance or, um, give them that little bit of, you know, being in the present moment, getting a little bit of extra energy, maybe momentarily forgetting something that is bothering them is on their mind. Yeah. So I love that. I love that tip. Awesome. I always try to, um, you know, one of my goals at Mindful Self is to provide um, strategies that are beneficial to anyone who practices. And time and time again, I come in contact with teachers and being myself one as well, where we'll say like, my students need calm and I need energy. Right. And so that's why I love to teach these strategies, because although we all encounter these experiences throughout our day, you know, strategies that can be beneficial not only to my students, but also to myself as well. And as educators, I think that we are, um, you know, it's, it's similar to parenting, where it's something where you give everything that you have, yet you feel like you could do more or need to do more. Right. And so it's really something that we have to be mindful of because empathy burnout, caregiver burnout, um, all of these things are, are really true and can happen so easily, especially in the profession that we do, um, that it's something that I feel like we need to kind of have little ways that we can sort of drop in on ourselves, kind of see where our internal thermostat is and be able to kind of regulate that. And the more we do that for ourselves, the more better able we are to not only handle the issues that we have that come up in our classroom, but also to be able to share that with our students also, because there are more things that make us alike than different, right? And we're not the only ones who handle this, you know, there are coworkers that we have, but also the students in our class, right? They're human beings also. And so it's a really powerful technique, I feel like that has, um, not only been beneficial to students, um, and it's also something that we can do for ourselves as well. I think that, you know, when I work with teachers who are oftentimes parents, um, and they, you know, not only talk about how crazy their day is, but how much they give of themselves emotionally, physically, mentally, and then finding that balance of, you know, feeling, you know, going, being able to go home and give your children your best as well. Um, And so these are things that, like I say, can not only be used in the classroom to help us kind of control our energy a little bit more, be responsible for the amount of energy that we use, um, but also to help us to kind of replenish our energy for that next leg of our life, whatever that might be, right? Yes. And I love how you mentioned that because it's, I mean, it's so true. There are so many teachers in our group that that feel like they have nothing left for their family or nothing yeah. left for their partner or spouse. You know, they come home. And I remember um, for, you know, before I had kids, right? Like I'd come home and I would take a nap. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you wake up and all right, you can, you can function to right. get ready and have a conversation, right? And maybe do a little writing or whatever you have to do. But, um, but yeah, it's like that, that exhaustion, you know, right. because we, we just <clears throat> deplete ourselves all day. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things too is the decision making. Oh like, yeah. Fatigue and and the constant like um, in the moment 
you, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta have response. that quick response. Yeah. And your brain just is exhausted. Yeah. Like it's literally exhausted. Um, so to be able to do some breathing, to get a little bit of energy, to just kind of reset, refocus, recenter yourself. Right. It doesn't have to take very long, right? Exactly. Right. When I do those breathing patterns, I typically, you know, ask people to try it for three to five repetitions, right? And so therefore, even just doing it three times, you can feel an immediate difference. Um, and if you feel like you want to try some more, you know, you can go up to five. And again, the reason that I love it is because not only is it something that is so powerful that we can share with our students, but it's something we can do in the car. It's something that we can do when we're waiting in line at the photocopy machine. It's something that we can do no matter where we are. And the more we practice it, other people have no idea what the heck we're doing, right? <laughs> and so we don't have to necessarily create this space for ourselves to be able to kind of take care of ourselves and to really just, like I say, drop in. I think that um, as, as human beings, especially living in today's very overstimulating world, we kind of have this misconception about what self-care really is. Um, and I think that like, oftentimes we think that it has to be something that, you know, requires a special place and a certain amount of money and a certain amount of time. And that's why it's so easy to say, I don't have time for this, or I don't have the money for this, or I don't have the space for this or whatever. Um, but reminding ourselves that self-care is really what anything that we do for ourselves. Right. And it could be as simple as today I'm going to curl my hair, um, but it could also be today I'm going to kind of drop in and do, you know, some type of a relaxing activity because I'm noticing like I'm really tense. And so that kind of brings me to like my next simple tip, which is a body scan. And I love doing body scans because of the fact that I think often we as educators, we, like you said before, I am sure you know this, but they say that educators make the most split second decisions out of any other profession, second into air traffic controllers and brain surgeons. And so we can kind of see how we get caught up and it's like almost like our engine is like revving all day long and how we kind of brace that and carry that in our bodies. I know for me that my neck, my shoulders, my, um, my jaw, my face, you know, all of that is where I start to kind of clench. And so by doing a body scan and just sort of like, you know, finding a spot that's quiet and somewhat peaceful for ourselves, whether we're lying down or sitting in a chair um, and allowing ourselves to just sort of like go through the different parts of our body um, and just sort of notice what's there and then using our breath to see if we can get those areas to soften. And by doing that, not only do we have the ability to kind of soften that tension to avoid, you know, the pain that comes from resisting tension um, and resisting things over a period of time. Like for me, it used to result in headaches, um, but it also is something that's so powerful that can allow us to sort of like lower that internal thermostat, right? So that we're not operating in this like clenched tight stage so that we're not reacting as we normally do. Instead, we're responding a little bit more appropriately for ourselves and for others. So body scans are, are one of my favorites. I probably do like 10 to 20 a day um, just to, you know, again, things I can do in the car, things I can do in the bathroom, things I can do pretty much anywhere. Anytime that I'm like sitting, I try to like start off with a body scan. And if I find myself sitting for a long period of time, like I'll do one at the beginning and one at the end, because again, even just posture, right, can cause tension and stress. That's awesome. I love doing body scans when I'm just about to get ready for bed. I Very relaxing, I, right? I fall asleep so quickly. When mm -hmm. I, um, 
So one thing that I, um, that I want to ask you, is there some kind of app or something that teachers can use where um, it's kind of like a support at first to, to help get them started? Like maybe, you know, a guided meditation or something where they don't have to think about the parts of their body that they're scanning. They can just kind of like flip it on, turn it on and do it, right? Yeah. Take, take one less decision out of their day. Absolutely. That you recommend um, that, that you've tried or that you recommend to your clients often? Absolutely. So um, I love the app Insight Timer. Um, I know there's a lot of mindfulness and meditation apps that are out there. Um, and although I have used some of them, you know, here and there, um, Insight Timer is one of my favorites for a couple of reasons. One, it's free and it's always free. Two, it's used worldwide. Um, so it's really cool on the homepage. It will actually show you a map of the world as to all of the people who are currently practicing mindfulness or meditating. Um, and so again, not only is it cool for ourselves to sometimes see like, wow, I just meditated with 5.4 you know, thousand people. Um, it's also cool to share with students as well, to know that they're part of something greater than just their classroom and, and their space. Um, and the other really great thing is the way that they organize it, where you can, when you go into the app and you press on meditate, it can, um, you can sort it based on how much time you have. So say you only have two minutes, you can click on two minutes and it will generate a list of all the different um, guided meditations that you can do that are two minutes or less. Um, and then I also sort it based on the categories. So if you're looking for something for sleep, if you're looking for something for anxiety, if you're looking for something for love and compassion, um, there's also a, a kids and teens um, section as well. And then it will generate thousands and thousands and thousands of free guided meditations, which is really awesome. Um, so that you can just listen to it. And if you find one that you love, um, you can bookmark it so that it'll store it for you so that you can easily access it whenever you want to. So you don't have to scroll through those thousands of different topics trying to remember what was the one that I fell asleep to last night. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the feature that I also like as well is that not only can you listen to guided meditations, you can also set a timer um, to do like a timed sit. Um, so I use that oftentimes in my workshops even, and even with my students that I work with as well, because you can set the background sounds, but you can also set like your interval bells. And so it's really awesome when I do different types of like centers with kids that I will set like, you know, say I want them to be, you know, working on something for two minutes and then switching or passing or whatever it might be. And I can set a bell for that so that they then know to listen for that bell and that that signals them to do something else. When I sit formally, and, and, and practice mindfulness, um, I like to set my bells for every couple of minutes so that one, not only do I, um, you know, it kind of brings me back if I've gotten lost in thought, but it also um, is a really great way to keep track of time so that I don't have to keep opening my eyes to be like, how much time is left, right? I know, oh, I've heard two bells. It's been 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it, I can't say enough great things about Insight Timer. It's awesome. Yeah, there's there's so many ways to be really flexible with it. One of the reasons I use it, and I've, I've been a huge fan of Insight Timer for probably at least two years now. I love it. Um, and I love the guided meditations, the sleep meditations. Like there's so many awesome things there. But one of the reasons I use it is um, I've been doing the Miracle Morning. I don't know if, if anybody has heard of Hal Elrod and the the Miracle Morning, um, Miracle Equation. He's got some really great books, but I've been doing the Miracle Morning for a couple months now. And um, part of that is silence, sitting in silence. 
And part of that is visualizations and affirmations. And um, I set the timer to kind of move through the Miracle Morning sequence. And, and I love it. I love it. There's a writing component to it. There is a reading component to the Miracle Morning. And when I use the Insight Timer, I can move through each of those sections. And I, and I give myself, it's not always the same exact amount of time for each section. Um, the silence section is a little bit shorter than, um, like the exercise portion is a little bit longer than the silence portion, but sometimes I mix it up too. But it's so easy for me to just move through the sequence and I don't have to think about it, right? right. Like, like taking that decision out and, um, and, and it's just awesome. So there are so many different ways to use the Insight Timer. You, if it's a guided meditation, if it's a, uh, you want one minute to just focus on your breathing, right? right? That's great. So just to recap our tips for today, the first tip was the breathing, right? The pattern breathing. And you mentioned the four, seven, eight pattern for adults, um, if you want, if you want to relax your exhale, you can you can think about having that double the inhale. Um, so four seven eight, and then for kids three five six. Mm -hmm. We also talked about for energy, right? To exhale first and then inhale. Mm -hmm. I love that tip. That is super awesome. Our second tip was the body scans, right? Yeah. I love the example you gave with the rocket ship blowing cold air into certain parts. Um, so the body scans. And then the, the last tip you shared was insight timer and using that to help either find guided meditations that tell you exactly, I mean, walk you through the exact process. So again, you don't have to think about it, but also using the, the timer in a variety of ways, which I think will be really helpful for teachers. As you said, you know, even if it's just um, keeping track of times at the centers, or maybe, you know, um, times at the centers with the transition time or mm -hmm. however they want to set that up. So, and it's, and it's free, which is awesome. So it's something that um, you can easily download on your phone and you have access to it whenever you need it. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So um, if you guys are, are listening and you're interested in connecting with Amy, all of her links are going to be in the show notes. So, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere Amy hangs out will definitely be in the show notes. But Amy, is there anything that you'd like to share with us as we wrap up? Maybe um, a special project you have or ways people can find you and possibly work with you or bring you to their schools? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Um, I do a variety of different ways. Like my goal is always to make mindfulness accessible, relatable, and sustainable. Um, so I absolutely love working with teachers. Not only do I do professional development workshops, um, but I also do um, a good amount of consulting where I actually come and do demo lessons within the classroom so that you can actually see what that looks like um, within the classroom and then giving ourselves the opportunity to sort of recap about that. Um, I've just also recently started doing school assemblies on mindfulness and the variety of different topics um, that fall underneath that about kindness and compassion as well as like impermanence. And that is something that I knew was needed. What I didn't know was how much I was going to love doing it. And such a difference in talking about managing your energy and just recognizing your energy. You know, like I, I love working with teachers, but what I realized is that I love working with kids just as much, if not more. Um, and so the mindfulness assemblies have been something that is a real kind of passion and has really been well received and has kind of taken off, which is nice. So those are my 
my two big ways of kind of supporting the schools, but I also support individuals as well. Um, I do a variety of different people that I work with um, individually, as well as I do family mindfulness sessions. And depending on size and schedules and distance and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, making it accessible might be me coming to your home. It might be us meeting at a mutual destination. Um, it could also be like Zoom sessions and things like that, depending on what is best for everybody. So my goal is always to sort of like, you know, share mindfulness with anyone who wants to learn more about it and um, giving, you know, simple techniques and practices because they say there are more forms of mindfulness than people to practice. And my goal is to really kind of help people connect with the practices that not only solve their problems, but help to bring them whatever it is that they need in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's so many different ways that we can do that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy, for spending time with the Common Resilient Teacher community. I'm so grateful that you, you know, hopped on the show to share these great tips. And I know the teachers in the community are going to find tremendous value from this. Well, thank you, Dawn. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Thank My you. pleasure. for sticking around to the end. You are awesome. If you are a part of the CRT community, I know you're a person who values serving and helping others. If you found value in this episode, please share with one teacher who could use some extra support right now. When we join hands and work together, we can do way more good in this world. If you're not already in the Calm and Resilient Teacher Facebook group, make sure to join the conversation over there as we help teachers thrive and stay in the classrooms where they're needed most. Thanks again and see you soon.